We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. These are the true quiet hours of the NBA uh, 365-day calendar, which is nice and also a little weird at times because, you know, things can get too quiet and it feels like it's been a little too quiet uh, for the NBA calendar. But uh, before we jump in, I I just want to shout out, you know, something that we've been working hard on, Richie specifically, BuzzBeat Plus. If you are not a subscriber to that, I would highly encourage you to do so. You get access to a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, if you want to know how to find that, I, I would just go to our Twitter handle, to be honest. Uh, the Linktree link is there, uh, and you can figure out a way to become a subscriber to BuzzBee Plus, the Substack there. Um, we got some really cool emails. I'm just going to shout out two people real quick. Rich Ballantyne has been a Hornets fan uh, since 88, <laughs> which is the year I was born, which is pretty cool. Send us a really nice email. Had a question in there, Rich. We're going to get to that in this episode. And then Andy from UK, which is like always very cool uh, to see someone from you know a different part of the world who's listening to your stuff and and tuning in to the Hornets. So thank you guys for being Busby Plus subscribers, number one, and thank you for the questions. Um, won't read the, the whole emails, but I promise we will get to uh, to those questions. So Busby Plus subscribe if you haven't already, especially before the season starts. Get out ahead of that. Um, some really cool benefits for you and really good access. All right. Well, before we get into the questions, we, we actually do have, we have a good, a bit of meat on the bone today. So thank you for all the questions, but I want to jump in and just like what's going on in life with you guys. I feel like, you know, it's summer, everybody gets going their different directions, hunkering down with family, going on vacays. The NBA gets quiet after free agency. BG, what have you been up to? A little bit of travel. I've got uh, some, um, got like a like two weddings to or a wedding and a bachelor party to attend in a couple of weeks so try to do all of that stuff without catching covid uh fingers crossed it's always a richie or pardon me it can be a risky proposition these these days but a little bit of travel um and i don't know i've been doing my annual like three weeks in july and august where i get like back into baseball i was just been like I don't know, just going hard on like trade deadline baseball stuff recently. 
We should have done an emergency pod, BG. We should have. We should have done that. We could have. <laughs> I was, I'm, and I was actually in DC this past weekend for the uh, the end of the the Juan Soto era. There, in fact, uh, did not do much baseball, but did stop by the National Gallery of Art in DC, which was amazing, and then caught some of the radio call of Mets uh, Nationals while I was heading out of town on Sunday, which was uh, predictably depressing, and I'm sure is only getting more and more bleak as far as. Uh, baseball inside the beltway goes but no i'm doing well and uh this time of the year like you know really dial back some of the hoops watching a little bit but still like taking my time getting through some games because this is always a good time of the year to get prepared for draft cycle guys the next year uh returning prospects and guys that are getting ready to transfer into the acc so i try to use it as a as a space it out a little bit but still going through you know probably ends up being as opposed to you know, one or two games a day, it's probably, you know, two to three games a week or something like that. So still getting a little bit of basketball viewing in here as well. And I got to meet uh, Lee, I guess for the second time in person, Lee and I met last week Love it. or two weeks ago and, and uh, uh, broke bread and had a couple of vi- the vibes were high. They were good. Half of the Busby <laughs> uh, mind share was just, That's the right. ideas were flowing. The, Let's the, just say that. The planets are, were aligning, you know, when, when more than two, when more than one of us is in a room at the same time, you know, it's uh, the, the, the juices get flowing as well as did the a uh, uh, couple of, I guess, cold adult beverages we had that night. But uh, how about Lee? How about you? How, what have you been up to, man? Well, I mean, like I think like you both kind of alluded to, it's a little bit of the dog days of summer from a sports standpoint. Uh, so I'm doing what any self-respecting sports fan should be doing, and that's cramming, uh, you know, all of my fantasy research into like three <laughs> weeks before draft starts. So yeah, there you go. we're just going hard on the fantasy. You know, I, I, I wish I was still like a magazine guy, but I, I have to say I'm, I'm, I've transitioned fully to the, like the podcast research. Yeah. You, you forget how many wide receivers and running backs change, change teams in the off season, mm-hmm. particularly this off season. So yeah, I mean, obviously that's what I'm up to. <laughs> well, this is, I always feel like this is the one time of year and I'd like to say it always sneaks up on me, but it but it really doesn't because I know it's coming. It's like, oh yes, month of you know late July, mid to late July into August. You know, I'm gonna watch a lot of baseball. I never do because I'm married with a kid, <laughs> yeah. and so late night I watch shows. Right, like I get yeah. some downtime, and you watch shows. So, anyways, the Bear. If you haven't seen the Bear, yeah, I highly, it. highly recommend that. Watch that. We have a we have a listener question from this this girl named Kelsey. I'm not sure exactly who it is who <laughs> is going to ask us to. Uh, we won't go through the whole Hornets roster, but we will get to maybe if you've seen the show alone. It was originally on uh, the History Channel, I think, but you can find it on Netflix now. Really cool show. So we'll pick a Hornets player at the end of the show and say who would who would thrive on alone. Probably none okay. of them, but we'll, we'll yeah. pick one for the sake of fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, good good to be on here with you boys. Uh, Let's jump in. Uh, we're going to try to keep this at a reasonable time limit today, which I'm not good at, so I better transition us in here. So we do have a lot of questions that I thought overlap. So again, I want to get everyone a shout out uh, that ask us, but let's start here and really let's have a, a minutes allocation conversation, if you will. But Div B, our good friend at Stat Center on Twitter, did ask us, what's your current ideal breakdown of minutes at the five, which I think is a good place to start. And then we can kind of dive into more of, you know, who's going to take miles minutes, what, what's happening with that, all, all that good stuff. Um, not good stuff, but all that stuff. 
so I'll go quickly and then I want to throw it to Yuli and kind of get your thoughts here. Cause I, I think this situation might not have a finality just yet. We might not know who the starting center is for the Hornets or he might not be on the roster rather, you know, as the current roster sits, you have to assume the Plumlee is going to be the starting center is, is depressing as that is to me, at least. Um, I, I do think that the Hornets are in a position with Nick Richards still on the roster uh, and obviously um, just drafting Mark Williams, like, those guys, like Plumlee, he can't play as many minutes uh, per night as he did last year, at least in my opinion. So I, I don't know exactly how I would kind of split up the minutes between those three and then having you talked about Kai Jones being in the conversation. I, I think Summer League showed me that he's going to need to play five. I, I just I, I can't really imagine a, a time anytime soon that he's going to be able to play four. So I, I really think that Plumlee – when it averages out, shouldn't be playing more than 20 minutes per night at center. I, I don't know if Richards gets squeezed here. I think that's like the Richards, Mark Williams minute allocation is going to be a pretty interesting uh, second banana competition in training camp, I think. And then Kai Jones, like it's just, he's got to play this year. Like we've we got to see it. Like, you know, the Hornets can't sit on their hands here. I mean, he's, he's in his second year. So, I, I, you know, I'm kind of bouncing around here. I don't really have an answer, but I think it's very, very interesting. And, again, I still think there's a chance Miles Turner's on this roster before the beginning of the season. So we might Spencer will never. He'll season. never let that die. <laughs> well, I don't think that Mitch Kupchak will either, nor will uh, the <laughs> Indiana agree. Pacers franchise. So, yeah. and, and, look, there's a recent report out there. I mean, Turner's – I think he's reached the point where he's like, all right, get me out of here or don't. Like, I'm not coming back yeah. once I'm a free agent. So, like, let's do something. So, I think it's kind of like reached the mesh point. Think we, I think we could see a deal. I think the Hornets are still interested. What's, what say you, Lee? I mean, when you look at the allocation from last year, obviously Plumlee was was the every night start. I, I'm kind of like throwing Harrell out of this conversation. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, for now at least. Like, I know it's possible he could return. I'm just kind of putting that to the side. Yeah, I think for um, all I intents just, and purposes, you can you can right. you know, it's like, just not productive. Yeah. So Plumlee, you know, thirty 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 seven hundred center minutes for Plumlee. Uh, 1800 for PJ Washington. So, you know, there's, there's essentially kind of like a, a 50% split there. I think, I think you're still going to, even with all the roster additions, even with draft, the drafting of Mark Williams, even with whatever the Hornets do in acquisition, free agency trade, I still think you're going to see like a lot of PJ Washington closing at center. And I, and I think, and I think he should be, I think like, it was Brian actually. Brian put together like a series of really good tweets on PJ Washington and kind of some of the leaps he's had as a defender over the past year, and so, and some of the best, some of those best defensive plays and his versatility. Um, so I like I want to, to to continue to see that be a massive part of this center rotation. I agree with you, Spencer, that right now, unfortunately, it does kind of, it's particularly with Steve Clifford and kind of his propensity to lean on veterans that we're going to see a lot of Plumlee at least right out. And and then I would hope, and look, you guys know I've been one of the kind of, you know, ardent Nick Richards defenders on this podcast, but I would really, really hope that, that Mark Williams is given those opportunities over and over and over again, uh, barring injury. Um, I, I think Nick Richards is, is – justifiably like potentially worth like one of the last roster spots, but I don't necessarily want to see him 
uh, being given opportunities to go on the floor in spite of Mark Williams. That that would be a bit upsetting for me. So I, I think it's Plumley, particularly at the beginning, with a ton of P.J. Washington, and then my, Mark Williams kind of comes along slowly. Ideally, he pops and like takes over the starting position at some point. Um, but I don't know how realistic that is to expect. Yeah, I want to echo some of the things you guys just said, starting with uh, what what Lee touched on to begin, which is like, no matter how you split this up, it's just, it's important to state like they're probably going to need to close games or most close games with PJ at the five. Before, you know, again, we'll see... Um, what happens with injuries. We'll see if there are transactions, et cetera, but Plumlee, you're not getting enough offense, right? And Mark Williams, hopefully is ready, ready defensively to be there. But even then teams might feel like they're able to, to, you know, in a late game situation, switch a ball screen. That's Mark Williams screening for LaMelo, right? Uh, Depending on how, what their personnel looks like, obviously, but what can Mark Williams do with a switch? Um, he was not much of a post-up threat at Duke. Post-ups didn't look good at Summer League. So that's something to consider. So I think you know PJ with the ability to open up the offense, to play five out, to, to be versatile guarding ball screens, to uh, give them to unlock some of their switch potential um, is a big deal. And I think that's one of the reasons why, yes, um, you're going to have to find some way to carve out um, either like significant, like, you know, like significant minutes for PJ at the five still, or you're gonna have to be like selective and say like PJ's only gonna play maybe eight minutes a game at center, but they're all gonna be leverage minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's gonna be to cl- it's gonna be six minutes in the fourth quarter or four minutes at the end of each half or you know whatever. However you want to you know break it down, but just again, it's gonna have to he's gonna have to factor into that mix. And depending on how things go this season, you know Plumlee seems like a guy that could be used as a as a trade chip in in some shape or form, just given. Given his contract as an expiring, um, you know the Hornets, as Spencer noted, could certainly look to to make for a, a swing, you know, trade for someone at the five with my, like perhaps Miles Turner, as has been rumored for years now, and maybe you're getting Turner at like the nadir of his trade value, right? So maybe it wouldn't cost you as much to, to swing a deal for Miles Turner as it would, you know, two years ago, especially with, you know, even like less runway on his contract as well. So that's probably something to consider. I think this is a tough hypothetical to consider. Um, and a lot of it depends on how you view Kai Jones to Spencer's point, like who absolutely played his best basketball in Vegas at summer league when Charlotte played him at the backup five behind Mark Williams. And there are obvious defensive concerns for Kai at both the four or him trying to, you know, anchor a defense at the five, uh, despite some of the rim protection flashes and some of the athleticism that he is able at times to show guarding ball screens in a couple of different fashions. That just feels like a tough sell for someone like Steve Clifford, right? Like, you know, if you're trying to, the way that I would manage this might be different than Steve Clifford. And I think some of it also depends on how Steve Clifford wants to guard pick and roll this season. Like that could end up sort of like shaping, um, shaping how this thing flows. But let's just say like, the, the thing that I had is I was thinking about this like pre-trade deadline. Um, Mark Williams is looking passable defensively, passable on offense, keeping his head above water. Plumlee's still here. Like I was thinking it's probably like 18 minutes a night for Plumlee at center, like the ceremonial start, then a little bit of time here and there. 
um, which would be a pretty, I mean, he was like, like 24 minutes per game last season, but he's played like in Denver two years ago, he was like 17 minutes a game. So I'm thinking more in that line, Mark Williams in the 20 minute range and then PJ Washington playing the rest of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you flip those minutes with I like that. Mark Williams, like something along those lines. But but to be clear, like Kai Jones is cut completely out of that if you play it that yeah. way. You know what I mean? But you can't there you can't play four centers. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't you also can't do that. So like it, it's, it, it, it's it so away. weird. It's like uh we we have long been searching for a center, but at the same time it almost feels like we have too many. It's a strange Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> again, because Nick Richards is not even factoring into my calculus in, in that scenario. Now, if you put Kai in the mix, can you do Plumley 18 minutes, Mark Williams 20 minutes, Kai 10? Yeah, but now you're at zero center minutes for PJ, and we've just sort of highlighted why it's imperative that he plays. And I and I know there's 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 like maybe a greater calling for him to play more minutes at the four this season, just given the given what what happened with with Miles with or what's happening with with Miles Bridges. But like we all sort of understand the importance of of playing PJ at the five at times. So and, and Brian, yeah. just to give like a little color to that uh, for fans who may, maybe new listeners, but if you've listened to this podcast, you're probably already very well aware of this. Like basically two thousand possessions from PJ Washington at center last year, plus six point differential. It's it's just yeah. been one of the most yeah. successful yeah. lineups over like a multi year period. The, the offense, and I think the more and yeah. I think the more intelligent way maybe to even think of it is like start with like at least in my mind like start with Kai Jones, who again I think really needs to play this year. Who can he play with out of the other guys on this roster that? in theory, can play five. The answer, the best answer at least, is PJ Washington, yeah, right? Like yeah. and then he's and then he's playing like the Robert Williams Boston Celtics role where yeah. he's kind of roaming on defense and Washington can try to bulk up, you know, and play up a position defensively. Mm-hmm. And then obviously on the other end, Jones is more your rim runner, true five. Um but like he can't play with Richards, at least I wouldn't advise that. Yeah. And then, and I, and I don't really think Jones can, can play with Williams or Plumley. you know I mean? Not that like, not until he, we see some facet of a jump shot, which we, we have not seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that defense, that defensive alignment, you know, requires the ability to be versatile guarding ball screens with the, with like the, the prominent screen defender, a la PJ and he's not Al Horford, but PJ can do a lot of stuff and he can switch. And it, you know, the other guys need to be, switchy as as well in that type of alignment so guys like yeah you know someone like Jalen mcdaniels makes makes a lot of sense in those pairings i think spencer's bringing up a good point too i think there are going to be some of these lineups where you know it, it's going to be sort of like floating around like you're going to have two guys that are you know it's going to be pj and kai or pj and jt thor or whatever and you, they're both sort of like playing four and a halfs you know what i mean and that could that could like those roles could differ from both offense to defense, you know what I mean? In terms of like, who's the yeah. one screening and diving, who's the one guarding ball screens on the op. Like it could, it could flip. It does kind and to of your point, Brian, like I, I don't fit, like that is imagining two 4.5s. I like that idea, but like in the James Borrego defensive scheme, it was a lot of switching, a lot of chaos. Yeah. In the Steve Clifford scheme, we can assume it's going to be a lot of drop, you know, a lot of getting, you know, sink down, protect the gaps. Yeah. That kind of stuff, and 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 maybe that works too, but it's just going to be a totally different. Uh, it's going to be different aesthetically with it two four point five. It is going to be interesting to see how 
Clifford walks that line even with someone like PJ playing like yeah. sort of like more traditional small ball lineups that would, you know, like maybe it's PJ at the five. He's the de facto five and, you know, and McDaniels and Hayward are the two forward spots. Like, you know, PJ has a seven, three wingspan. He's shown some ability to be versatile guarding pick and roll to be athletic when you ask him to be uh, in the drop to guard at a couple different levels. But like, that's not really like his, that's not the best way to use him defensively guarding the pick and roll. You know what I mean? So I, that, I, I think that will be fascinating to see. I just think like you're going to have to figure that out one way or the other because PJ's shooting at the five is just like, I mean, it, it's impo- it's very impactful when he's playing the four too, but what it can yeah. do for you when you, when he plays center and that pick and pop game is um, that he's so good with LaMelo working together that I think you're gonna have to figure out defensively, like what you want that to look like on the other end. And I mean, for whatever it's worth, Steve Clifford spent a lot of time with the Brooklyn Nets this past season and they switched a ton, right? So, you know, maybe we'll see how much of that has rubbed off on him. Some of that was also like Brooklyn's, you know, their personnel was sort of asking for them to to defend that way as well. So that's, part, you know, it's different. But I last thing that I would say on this, and, and then I'll throw it to either of one of you guys, I just think like it does feel like and, and when we talk about some of like the, the three and the four position, I'm sure we can bring this up as, as well. It does feel like they could consolidate some of these guys, which is why a trade makes sense at some point. We'll see what happens with, with the injuries as well. But um, I just think a lot is going to depend on the comfort level with PJ um, and where Mark Williams is, not just in October, but like where Mark Williams is once they get into like sort of like the, the stretch run of the season. You know what I mean? How does he progress? Because if he's if Williams is really, really good, and I think I think all of us agree he's gonna be a good pro, but if he's like very good, you know, early on in his career, at an advanced portion of his career, then it then it makes I mean it makes Plumley like, you know, immediately expend you know what i mean like you just immediately expendable in some way shape or form and all of a sudden like I, I, you know it's very tough to like see the value in, in playing that guy beyond like spot minutes we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's transition and talk about Miles Bridges. And for the sake of example here, um, let's assume Miles Bridges is not going to play for the Charlotte Hornets this upcoming season. Number one, BG, where do these minutes get reallocated to? And then number two, where is the scoring coming from, Uh, which is probably the bigger issue. I think we can find enough players to get the minutes, but the scoring is going to be really tough to replace, and the playmaking for that matter. Yeah, I mean, the the rim pressure – um, is going to be is is going to be like a big challenge, obviously. And um, look, you know, we saw PJ play a, a larger share of his minutes over like the probably the final third of the season at four last year. You know, they started sort of shifting Miles to the three some, playing he and PJ together at those two hybrid forward spots, along with you know what this is really like after they acquired Harrell and Plumlee and Harrell became you know kind of like more of a platoon at the center position with PJ mixed in as well and i just think like you're going to have to give PJ a, a ton of of playing i mean it, it, to, he we he was kind of just the answer to like the the center question in a way um but assuming you know Plumlee and Williams are playing a lot of, of center time, and who knows how Kai Jones factors into that mix as well, like PJ is going to have to play big minutes at the at the four. Um, he offers the movement, shooting, the screen versatility, both sides on both sides of the court. How he can he can switch out and guard a bunch of positions, um, but what he can do is a screener partnering up with guys like Lamelo Ball um, and Terry Rozier, maybe making things easier for someone like James Booknight. But his ability to pick and pop, his ability to roll, um, we you know you haven't seen it. I would say like in terms of like a high volume fashion, but the short roll playmaking is something he can do. And he PJ shown the ability to short roll playmake, even when someone's in the dunker spot, like he has the ability to make those little like drop passes and, and find guys for, you know, fine. If he, when he's playing the four, he dives to the hoop and, um, you know, defense on the back line rotates and he can throw a little hook pass to, you know, Mace, you know, Mason Plumley for a dunk or Mark Williams for a dunk. So I think some of that is interesting. He just does a lot of stuff that can sort of like breathe life into an offense with the shooting, the passing in the occasional, you know, like above the rim finishing earlier in his career, we saw him like post Mitch mismatches, which is not, I don't think it is thing at this point, like much of a strength of his and it's something he's really gone away from, but maybe they try to dust that off a little bit more. Like that's not a great way in terms of like generating rim pressure, but it's another way because it's another way. I'll be at one that's coming, you know, it's a little more, you know, flat and stationary, but it's another way of maybe drawing fouls. Um, maybe puncturing defenses a little bit 
um, when the pick and roll isn't humming. So I think that is sort of like a, an obvious place to start. I, at this point, I think you're just going to have to see more Jalen McDaniels too. Defensively, he's ready for it. We know what he can do guarding a bunch of positions on the ball, either being at the point attack, navigating screens, what he can do against some, you know, guarding as like a perimeter stopper, that type, that type of player. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Jalen's necessarily like a stopper stopper, but the ability to go out and defend one-on-one some, you know, power or bigger wings that are in the league. We know also know what Jalen does as like a backline help defender. He has shown the ability to uh to be a help side um, rim protector, to, to rotate, to be in the right places, to sort of like see through different actions and be in the right place at the right time. So like defensively, he's there. Offensively, I think he does enough stuff to kind of like keep the wheels running as a spot-up guy, as a catch-and-go guy, what he does in transition, the baseline cuts, like he's nice. He, is a, he and Cody Martin both do a nice job kind of like cutting along the baseline um, and make, making plays on, on the weak side or hitting the glass. But that's not, you know, that's just that's just stuff that keeps keeps things humming offensively. I don't think you, he's going to like be able to take on like a larger creation role. But he just does a lot of different stuff. He can even give you some short role playmaking as well. So I think it's a lot of PJ. It's a lot of Jalen. And you know, I don't think the the Vegas summer league experience was great for JT Thor, except for maybe the last game. He looked pretty good. But I think you're going to have to see some, you know, some JT. I think JT Thor is going to get a shot there as well. And if this season just goes like sideways at some point, and um, you know, Charlotte's trending down towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference, they're you know looking for a high lottery pick. Then all of a sudden, it becomes you know a lot of more JT Thor time, maybe some Kai Jones minutes as well. Yeah. So I, this is, I mean, this is the the big question, right? Like, I mean, Miles Bridges took a massive leap. From from last off season to this season, I think it was Spencer who who mentioned this already and hit it on the head. Like there is kind of like conceivably, conceivably like ways to replace certain things that Miles Bridges does with this roster. Like when you rattle off, and I, and I am using the term wing like slightly liberally here, but when you rattle off kind of the bevy of wings this team has. Like, there is a ton of guys like Cody Martin, Gordon Hayward, Jalen McDaniels, JT Thor, Kelly Oubre, James Booknight, even a guy like Bryce McGowan's that was good in Summer League. But the one thing I don't think any of these guys can replicate in any meaningful way is the playmaking. The downhill playmaking, the isolation playmaking, the bully ball. The like There just isn't a candidate to make that type of leap as a playmaker. Like, Rozier and Hayward are pretty tapped out, like from what they, they, they are who they are at this yeah. point. I do think LaMelo Ball can, can certainly make another jump as a scorer. Uh, like we've, we've talked about some of his deficiencies and where, and where he can continue to improve. I, I think that's totally reasonable. The most ready are, are the two that BG already said. Jalen McDaniels, for sure. And then I do think JT Thor is kind of like 1B in that grouping. I, I won't talk about them too much because BG already laid it out. I think a real long shot here, someone who I wasn't super optimistic on during the draft process, but has uh, theoretically has some upside value as a playmaker is James Booknight. 
I would love to see him make a jump. I don't think we've seen a ton of evidence that 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 is going to happen. But like, if you're if you're going dark horse candidate, it's James Booknight makes a huge leap from year one to year two and can provide that like nuclear athleticism, downhill rim pressure, transition rim pressure, like all that. So that's like, you know, if you're a Hornet fan and you're you're wish casting a little bit, it's it's Booknight makes a huge jump. And then the last couple things I'll mention is Ubre is who he is. Like we know that Ubre was halfway through the season was having a career shooting year by leaps and bounds, just like shooting upper thirties, low forties from three. Tons Where of does volume. he end? Ooh, tons on, of volume on big, yeah. on big volume. Where does he end yeah. the year? He ends the year at thirty four percent. What does he shoot for his career? Thirty three percent. Like he is, he is who he is. That that is Kelly Ubre. Um. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, maybe you get a three to four percent improvement again from Cody Martin. Yeah. And then the other like hindsight is 2020 things would have played out differently. This is totally unfair, but it'd be it'd be nice to still have Caleb Martin. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Rim pressure wise, for sure. Yeah. Cutting yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. I, you brought up two names. Lee, real quick. I mean, I, Cody Martin and James Booknight were the two. Now, of course, positionally, not the same as Miles Bridges for all the you know physical obvious reasons on either end. But I, you know, I, those are the two guys that I would focus on here because I think they're like just in terms of how do you replace the scoring. I mean, they're the you know JT Thor. I, I love his potential. He like he's just not ready. He's just not ready to play those kind of minutes in that kind of role. I just I love Jalen McDaniels too. I really, really do. But I, I just see that guy's kind of a, a more of a defensive glue, you know, go over there, stay in the corner, make enough corner threes we count on you and no be question. a really, yeah. really no good question. cutter, right? Baseline cutter and help us put some run pressure. But I, I mean, I actually think the real answer here is probably Cody Martin. You know, and the Hornets, they extended him. Um he he's not an incapable playmaker. Uh, I actually think we saw more of that from him early in his, earlier in his career than we have maybe last season, the last few seasons. But like it's it's time for him to break out, and this this is not a good thing for the franchise. But this might be a real opportunity for Caleb Martin to cement himself, you know, as an M- NBA rotational player and a guy who can score the ball consistently and distribute it consistently. And look, it, it, this is going to be a shitty offense without Miles Bridges. I mean, I think we can go ahead and like acknowledge that. But I do think Caleb Martin can provide enough secondary playmaking behind LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, you know, really third third wheel kind of playmaking to to keep the Hornets head above water, you know, on nights where they need it. Um, and, and look, I think Book Knight can just like take a jump in scoring this year, maybe not efficiently, but just from opportunity off the bench. I think he can just be that guy to just, hey, man, Go go hunt it down, you know. Let let's let's focus on playmaking. Let's focus on seeing the floor. Let's focus on making really good decisions. And Steve Clifford will help him move in the right direction that way. But we also really need you to hunt your shot because it's the only way we're going to get to 100 points as a yeah. team, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is amazing that the offense is going to be is you know looking pretty rough as yeah Steve Clifford rolls back into town. Just the timing is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is interesting. Like book night as like the microwave scorer off the bench is, 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 is I'm intrigued by the possibility of it. You can go back and listen to us talking about book night before the draft and after the draft. And, um, I wasn't like a huge believer in book night. I did like him somewhat as a prospect. 
but I, I also don't like to be clear. Like I agree with Spencer. I think you're going to have to ask him to try to do that stuff with this roster, but I really don't like love that. I don't like think that's his archetype. Like I, I stand by the belief that like book night should be used in a role. That's like Terry Rozier. You know what I mean? And I know he doesn't have the, the, the knockdown movement shooting of Rozier, but I just think he has to be thought of as a, in a way where you're, you're, you're designing stuff for him as opposed to saying like, Hey, when LaMelo's off, we, you're running pick and roll every time down the court or whatever. The um, one thing I do get curious, BG, just to jump in real quick, like on him and Rozier is that book night, his athleticism, his wingspan, his first step, which can be pretty explosive. Like, I agree. I don't ever think that's going to be his, like, that's not going to bread his butter, right? Playmaking and, and being this just dominant ISO score. But I think there are more physical traits to tap into there, you know, opposed to a guy like Terry Rozier, where if he can just make it cleaner, that he, he could morph into something that resembles a pretty, you know, a pretty flat, you know, pretty nuclear, you know, ISO score, more so yeah. than a guy like Rozier, who's just a knockdown shooter. And I don't ever see Book Knight being that. Catch yeah. and shoot wise, you know. Yeah, again, I mean, he's I I see him as someone that's kind of stuck between two archetypes right now. Yeah, um, and it, it did seem like the way they were using him in summer league last year, like they were setting him up for that sort of like the bench scorer role, right? You know what I mean? And then, but the season started and they were in such in such a win now mode, and um, then then everything else kind of went off the off the rails. I don't think we have to give up on on book night yet. There's still like a you know a lot of talent there. Um. And it's like, like he may need to see, he may need to play some backup one minutes. I mean, I guess that's going to be right as of right now. Rozier seems slotted for those minutes again, but um, all of this gets to the the, the point where like there's going to be an incredible responsibility put on Lamelo Ball. It should worth. It, we can also, I guess, we can throw it in here at the end as well. Um, Bryce McGowan's is the guy that can pressure the rim. Showed it at Nebraska. Showed some stuff at summer league. Um, but can get to the rim as both a cutter and a guy that can can get into the paint and use his length. But you know, how much are they going to be relying on a you know 180 pound two way rookie <laughs> for that type of stuff? You know what I mean? Like a guy We're scraping tries, the barrel here. Yeah, I, there's some potential, but um, I, it's hard. It's hard to see. I think. All right. Well, there's one more big topic I did want us to um, try to touch. And it might take us the longest to get through because I think there's a lot of things to talk about here. But, you know, if you read the reporting, it, it does, depending on how you read reporting in the NBA, <laughs> it, it does appear that Charlotte has had some conversations with Utah um, about Donovan Mitchell and that maybe they have heated up in the past week or so uh, as, again, depends on how you read the reporting, you know, the the New York, Utah talks came to a stall i tend to think this could this could definitely be some danny ainge um chicanery some <laughs> uh hey back, look folks look He's at back. us we're talking to other teams better up that asking price nicks look at us over here we're actually being serious about another team so i i, I don't really take it that seriously uh being 100 percent honest but the question is if if the rumors about us being in talks with Utah are true. Would adding Mitchell significantly change the way how you feel about this offseason? That question was from <laughs> Rohan Patel. He is at RJPATEL989 on Twitter. Thank you for the question. 
you know, I would say that it all depends on what that price for Mitchell is. And I can only imagine that that price is going to be um, astronomical when you consider, you know, what, what the Jazz were able to get for Rudy Gobert. Now, the Rudy Gobert trade is not the Donovan Mitchell trade, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, all these things exist in their own in their own way, in their own entities. But, you know, I do think that the way that the league is just throwing around first round picks now, it's like, I would just imagine that's what Utah is after. Like, I think Charlotte does have things to put on the table. Like guys like Kai Jones and James Booknight are eye of the beholder kind of prospects. You know, like, I think there's probably some teams out there that value them. I think there's a lot of GMs out there. Like I like, no, yes, definitely. No, I I don't, I'm not (laughs) interested. But Charlotte is plus one in future first-round draft picks with the pick uh, that they'll get from Denver. So they have two first-round draft picks and next summer. And then, you know, stepping rule kicks in. But they can trade as many first-round picks as really that the league rules allow them to moving forward. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, proceed with caution, Hornets. But depending on what the asking price is, they can – you know, they can throw PJ Washington, James Booknight, Kai Jones, Terry Rozier, and a bunch of picks on the table. And to me, like that offer is not nothing. That yeah. offer is not nothing. Those are not long-term contracts. I think Terry Rozier can be flipped. I think PJ Washington can be extended and traded at a later date. You know, all those picks, you still got, you got two young guys on rookie contracts. Like that's not bad. Yeah. Could they make that work with like Rozier as the central contract without including mm-hmm. Hayward? Like, is there enough, uh, you know, rigmarole that could happen there? That's a good question. See, I haven't even like gone to the into the trade machine and like exercised the old this. Trade which machine. Is, yeah, I, like I, I really haven't. I haven't even like gone through the cat, you know, mechanics of it. But Charlotte has the contracts needed to make this work. Whether totally. I, I think you know, like, does Utah care if it's Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier? That's probably not the deal breaker. You know, the deal right. breaker is probably like the protections on the picks, how many, and how yeah, many picks, totally. and that how many kind of swaps. Stuff. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, like, again, I don't think this is a – like, I don't think the rumor of Charlotte and Washington being, like, really in this is that serious. I think it's just a matter of time before he ends up in New York because that's where he wants to end up. Um, yeah. And they've got a lot to offer too. But uh, does it change the way I would look look at this offseason? The answer to for me would be yes, Lee – and then want to get your thoughts just because like Charlotte hasn't done something like this. Like this is, they don't, they don't operate like this. Like to my knowledge, Nick Batum was the first, or excuse me, the last like pretty like eye opening trade that this franchise made. And it would be, you know, at 10 cent of what this would cost. <laughs> so this would, I think here, I want to end it here. And then I'll throw it to you, Lee. If they did this, this would be a panic move. Looking ahead with Lamella Ball's free agency, which <clears throat> it's not as far away as we might like to think it is. Don't make me nervous, Spencer. Well, um, that, I mean, that's that's what the trade, depending, you know, what it would cost. That's what it would say to me. If that makes sense. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and and I also I think I'm in your camp of like this is fun to talk about and interesting to kind of banter about. I do think it's a a very low percentage chance of this happening. Um, and you know, again, like, like ball and Mitchell would be awesome. Like that. I, I honestly yeah. do electric believe, factory, like, <laughs> like in, in a vacuum, yeah. they actually fit incredibly well. Offensively, other, offensively, it would offensively be awesome. spectacular, yes. Yes. spectacular. And, and like, I'm still, 
I'm still a pretty decent believer in the fact that LaMelo Ball eventually becomes like a useful defensive player. I, I know there's still a long way to go there. But anyways, I digress. Like that would be incredible in a vacuum. But like, man, the the, the kind of like graveyard roster that you're left with after thinking about what it would take to pull this off, you know, you're, you're, you're left with like either Hayward or Rozier, one of the two. You're left with the you're left with like, and then you're basically left with like that hodgepodge of wings we just talked about, and and PJ is just such a he's such an important like swing player for this roster and lineup configurations and the way everything works. I I, I realize it it's ridiculous to like um, you know like get caught up on the fact that you know you're losing pj washington like you're getting freaking donovan mitchell like i get i get that (laughs) it's just when you look ahead to the to the draft equity that you would be saying you know goodbye to for the next half decade and the 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 pieces surrounding what would be an awesome backcourt i i do think unfortunately because of how crippling like you just can't you can't overstate how crippling the Bridges stuff is to this to this franchise and this roster. Even with that, I do think the Hornets would probably be like technically better in the immediate term with Donovan Mitchell on this yeah. roster with Lamelo Ball. But I think the long term outlook gets really really messy and and could be you know it could be one of those moves where you look back in you know five years and it just you know, may, maybe that like, do they even win one playoff series? I, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't We're, even know if that worth, team is above a play-in team. Honestly. Right, exactly. You know what I mean, like, worth I, I mentioning quickly too. Like for folks that are thinking about this, you you do get Mitchell through the twenty-five season. He is on a oh, contract for three up. more years. Now he had, he got the player option on that deal. So you know, depending on where the team is, he's yeah. probably headed to New York at that point. But it's not like you're tra- you're not tra- trading for Miles Turner here, right? Yeah, right. You're not trading right. for. You know, so you have this guy locked up and through the Lamelo Ball tenure, and so it does That's make true. some sense in that way. And you're like, whatever, let's yeah. just push our chips in. If we can re-sign both <laughs> of these guys and somehow build a roster around them, this is our team for the next eight years. Yeah, it's um, this like just to answer the question. Yeah, it would like whether good or bad, it would it would very much change my thoughts on the offseason for Charlotte, you know, acquiring uh, you know, a twenty five year old all star, you know, shooting guard, um, who can score in a bunch of different ways and has shown the ability to be like, you know, a heliocentric, you know, creator at times. So, you know, you could certainly play he and Lamelo together and then stagger them and and you know, I mean there's a lot there's like so many good ways you could utilize the, those two guys together. Um, you know, I think Rozier would, I think, so Rozier's going to make like, I think Terry's at 20, 21, uh, five for next year. Mitchell is at like 30.3. So like Rozier gets you pretty close with like one other salary. You know, you might be, you, you know, if it was someone like PJ, you, you might be in the door there, but just like, yeah, what does that do for your, your team long-term, so, especially once, you know, once you actually like bolster that offer with all of the picks, I agree with Spencer. Like, I think Mitchell's going to end up in New York. And like, I do kind of think this trade at some point in time is going to get done before Mitchell goes there in free agency. New York just has the most stuff to offer right now. You know what I mean? Now they're being investigated by the NBA, right? (laughs) For tip for tampering with regards to Jalen Brunson. So like, 
we'll see. Maybe that costs them a draft pick. You know what I mean? Like they're, we'll see what the penalty looks like for that. And if that's the case, then maybe they're a little bit antsy about entering the, they're a little less um, eager to get in the Mitchell trade sweepstakes. If they think they're going to be out some draft assets moving forward. Um, But like, I tend to think these things work with either the megastar forces his way where he wants to go or it's to the team just, that just has the most stuff. You know what I mean? And right now, New York, there's interest there, and they have the most stuff. If New Orleans woke up and decided they want to get in this, they've got more stuff to offer than Charlotte. Like, yes, the Hornets don't have nothing. You can you can build some pretty compelling trade packages out of what's on the roster, assuming you know someone like Lamelo Ball is untouchable. But um. I just I just feel like if if Mitchell's going to be moved, it's going to be to one of these teams that just has better stuff to offer than Charlotte yeah. does uh, currently. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Um, like, let's just say, be- just just real quickly, like, let's say they do the just just real quickly, let's say they do this deal for Mitchell. Let's say they find a way to acquire Mitchell. It acquires a bunch of draft picks, and they don't. Let's say they don't lose PJ in this somehow. So you're mm-hmm. working with, and let's say, uh, let's say Rosier somehow ends up being the center. I don't know if this kind of like deal is actually feasible or likely to. It's certainly not likely to happen. But let's say your starting backcourt is Lamelo Mitchell. You still have Hayward, PJ, and you know Mason Plumley, Mark Williams. That's that's not a top six team in the Eastern Conference, right? Or is it? I mean, like, no, I, I mean, I mean you know, unless you want to just. You know, the Hornets can send out the same press release that the Timberwolves did about keeping yeah. Jalen's brother and be like, thank goodness Jalen McDaniels wasn't in this deal. <laughs> yeah. We feel yeah. so fortunate yeah. that yeah. we were able to hang on to this yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think so either, BG. I mean, I, I just like, I just look at the cost and I look at this roster and I'm like, what, what, it, like, yeah. So I guess at that point, you're saying, so not only are we taking on Mitchell, but we'll find a way to create cap space. And then the combination of Mitchell and LaMelo will bring us talent, right? Yeah. It'll, it'll get us in the buyout conversation. It'll like, we can build a competent, you know, seven to eight man rotation and then fill in with minimum contracts. Like where we think we can compete. I, I just, I, there's just not enough here. There's not like if one, if book nine or Jones would have, blossom last season right and like really would have shown something like this would be a different conversation but really basically did see either one of them yeah you know? if, so if book, it's like if book night has like a bones highland like rookie season right you know yeah, what exactly. i mean like he pops yep. like that yeah, yeah we're yeah. having a, a different convert a different conversation for sure but i just it's just not worth it for the cost to me um so we'll see you know i but you bring up a good point about new york what they can offer kind of where they are right now uh with with the league um, which is probably <laughs> slowing this down. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Utah doesn't have to rush. Again, there's three years left on his deal. I, I don't really think his value goes down any if they trade him at the deadline or even if they trade him in the next draft. Like, you still have him under contract. Yeah. It, it, maybe for even three years. I know he's got a player option, but, de- you know, depending on where he's getting traded, it might be an easy decision for him to pick that up. So um, they don't need to rush this decision. Fun to think about, but I doubt it happens. Yeah. All right. Well, just to end this, and I, I just like have really quickly one thing to say on it, and then see what you, you guys, uh, what your thoughts are. But you know, the Miles Bridges situation, we got some questions about, you know, why didn't they, you know, renounce his, his QO and 
you know, what's the team doing? You know, all this, we already went over how his minutes are reallocated and maybe where the scoring comes from without miles. But I just think that there were two paths to me here, right? Like the Hornets could have what I would consider the high road and, and, and renounce the QO and kind of tell him, you know, sign our good luck, man. But I think what the team did is said, this is a legal matter. The NBA is not going to act until the legal matter is concluded. And so we are not going to act until the legal legal matter is concluded. And that's fine. So, you know, that's the stance the team has taken. And I think they're just waiting. So I, I don't really know what else there is to say on this, on this situation, unless you guys have other thoughts. I, th- I think that pretty much covers it, at least on my end. It's, it's you know, l- the team's going to let it play out. And, I mean, right. you know, w- whether I like it or not, like, that's kind of how things work in these situations. And, you know, it's 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 an incredibly unfortunate situation. Yeah. And uh, it obviously has been by far the worst news of the offseason. So, um, that that yeah, I think you covered it, Spencer. Anything, BG? Yeah, I mean, I would just say like um, right around when the news first broke, Richie and I did a a, a podcast that talked a lot about this. And um, yeah, these are not like fun conversations. To, it's not like fun to talk about Miles Bridges, obviously. It's like, or let me just rephrase this. It sucks to talk about Miles Bridges as a basketball player right now or as like a, a contract or whatever. Like it just, it doesn't feel like the right, frame and i and i know we have to do it for this but um this is not the route that i saw the hornets pursuing at the time um i i understand why they they've gone this route i i don't yeah i, I don't necessarily agree with it so and look more details have come out that have painted that night in even more sort of like <laughs> horrific detail so no matter what happens, I just don't want to see this guy in a, in a Hornets uniform. I just don't. I, I don't want to see it. I, I would like to not see him play basketball for a long time. As a matter of fact, um, and yeah, I don't know what else there is to my end to say about this. Um, I get the feeling that we won't see him play in the Hornets uniform. Like you're going to see how this plays out via the legal system first, and then and then go from there. But. Um, Man, it's just it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. And um, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I it just every time we talk about it, I just I get I I get like I don't know some combination of like sad and depressed and, and angry. Like it just mm-hmm. it sucks so much. So um, most importantly, I think I can speak for everyone else here. We hope everyone, wife, kids, everyone's doing well there. You know, now that sort of like the spotlight is kind of moved away from it to an extent. Um, and as far as what happens with miles, like I, I just hope it's not, I just hope he's not part of the, the future here in, in, in Charlotte. And I don't know if I can speak for everyone on that, but um, as far as like, you know, the family, obviously we hope everyone's doing well there. No clue what happens with him uh, moving, uh, moving forward though. Yeah. Well said BG. And you know, it's uh with the stuff we saw uh, in Deshaun Watson, you know, that's, that's not, it's, it's different. Um, but we saw what the NFL decided, you know, that, that they were going to do about his situation. Again, these are, these are not the same things. They're very, very different, but uh, I do hope that the NBA does, uh, does not fall suit um, with, with maybe <clears throat> what they think something like this, what the punishment, um, the deservable punishment is. So, 
Well, that was kind of a, a, a we w- I wanted to address the questions because we did get quite a few of them, but that's a little bit of a bummer way to end this. So, so we'll end with something fun. Well, before we get to that question, I just wanted to <laughs> give a shout out. Good friend on Twitter at RMJ underscore equals underscore hero. Um, yes. Just a really funny account. UVA hoops fan. Shout out. I'm not even going to read his question because I can't get through it without laughing. But he, he's basically asking us a question about this coach that uh, coaches a, a very successful college team in the state of Virginia that used to play <laughs> for the Charlotte Hornets that, you know, when are we just going to cut to the chase and bring him back? That person would be Tony Bennett. I, I Trust me, I would love nothing more, but um, conversation for a different day. Maybe it's a serious topic at one time, but shout out to our friend. All right, last question. So the show alone, if you haven't seen it, again, go watch it. You can find it on Netflix. It's a History Channel show. They drop contestants out in very wild native areas and basically ask them, you know, they get a number of things they can bring with them. You know, none of those things can be food, tools to help them get food, you know, build housing, et cetera. It's a survival show. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Got a question from... A Kelsey, a big fan of the show, Kelsey Percy, wants to know who who she wanted us to go through the whole roster. Of course, we don't have time to do that. But, Lee, pick one. Number one, have you seen alone? Number two, pick one guy on this roster who you think could, like, not get – not press the yellow button first if he was dropped somewhere like this. And so I, I have not seen alone, but I feel like I get the gist of it. Okay, you get like it. Na- okay. naked and afraid, basically. Yes, and, uh, yes. Yeah. Similar. So, and the yellow button is what, like, you get out of there. If like, I'm out. The yellow button. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I would go Mason. I think I would go Plum Doll. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> number one, he's like, okay, I mean, I guess it could cut both ways. Like, number one, he's massive and, like, essentially, like, almost like a, you know, a, a, a mountain troll giant of some yeah. sort. So like, but, <laughs> but that also means he's got like a lot of calories. He's got to, he's got to pure yeah, procure exactly. to keep that, That's to right. keep that battery running. The only other thing I think Plum Dog has go, going for him is one, like he's a little older. So like life experience never hurts in these situations. But if you remember his, the youngest Plumley brother, Marshall Plumley, who had a cup of coffee in the NBA, he was yeah. an army ranger. So like maybe he gave Mason some some survival skill tips. Yeah. yeah. So covered, I mean I covered Marshall at Duke actually back in the day a yeah. couple years ago. You know, I, I mean I'm reaching here a little bit for like the uh you know the second uh like second removed from an army ranger, but there's gotta be something there. Like he taught him how to start yeah. a fire. You know, like I like it. Shout that, out that, high school that's, that's in Asheville. Goal. Maybe they learned some mountain stuff up there. Yeah. Right? All the brothers. Were... <laughs> All right. I'm going Cody Martin. I don't really know why. I, I just I'm going Cody Martin because I just imagine him being resourceful. He's scrappy. Yeah, he's scrappy. you know, just yeah. he's a survivalist. You know, he he earned his way into the league. I was I, I was a skeptic. I didn't like the pick when the Hornets drafted him, and I've just I've come to love him because he works his tail off. He does all the he does all the dirty work. Like I just imagine him being dropped into a native area and just being like, okay, I got to figure this out, and I'm going to survive, and I'm going to make this freaking roster. You know, so I don't know, Cody Martin. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I'm going with uh, Cody Martin as well. I think Eric Collins. I just, basically, I'm just like reverse engineering from like which is the guy on the Hornets the last couple of years that Eric Collins has used the most like synonyms of grit to describe their play. You know what I mean? So I, I think uh, 
you know, like a mad dog in, in the meat market. We're going Cody Martin uh, being able to scrap and claw. Look, this is a guy that got from um, Moxville, North Carolina, which is a town that I've spent a little bit of time in playing basketball. But um, there aren't a lot of people that get out of Moxville <laughs> and get $30 million contracts to go do something professionally, which is exactly what Cody Martin did. And shout out Caleb for also earning himself some money too. But to go from there to five years of college basketball, you know, um, at two different schools and to be a second round pick, then to get a four year, $32 million contract, that is quite, quite the ride. And so I would say that, that Cody would be, give you the most sort of like versatility and uh, you know grit and and uh, like drive towards towards getting out of uh, these scenarios. Well, that was that was fun. Uh, maybe in the off season, as uh, the next episode, we'll we'll come up with a new show and we'll do a little little character uh, character Hornets roster comparison. Have you just... have you guys watched Severance yet by any chance on I've, on I've, Apple? I've, okay. So I heard about it today. I've, I got really uh great golf podcast or golf group no laying up i listened to the, the one of their podcasts called the trap draw and they were the whole episode was about the bear the show we talked about earlier but severance was talked about and so it was it's number one on my next to watch it, list so i'm glad it, you brought it up it's phenomenal i really like it and we'll make we'll we'll once you once you watch it or whatever we can make some jokes about like Hornets fans wanting to be severanced at some point. Uh, that, that that joke will make sense to only people who have seen the show, actually. Okay, so, next episode. But, All right, yeah. I'm going to start it tonight. All right. All right, boys. This was fun. All right. Good to see you guys. All right, 4BG, that's Lee. I'm Spencer. We will see you on the next episode of BuzzFeed. Be good. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.